0: For the next several weeks, you're going to hear about my Jesus. And as we look in Luke 4 today in chapters, in verses 6 through 22, we're going to begin and we're going to be in this passage basically for the next uh, several weeks as we look here. There are going to be some weeks where we'll move away from it for other things to take place. But but I want you to hear for a while about my Jesus. In Luke 4 we find Jesus tells us a little bit about himself but but we're going to talk about just who he is and growing up in rural Robinson County living here it's easy for us to just assume that everyone that we come in contact with has the same idea of who Jesus is it's very easy for us to assume that when we speak to people that they They understand this Jesus, my Jesus, the way that we understand my Jesus. But unfortunately, this is a grave mistake on our part. Until we actually hear someone tell us who Jesus is to them, we should not assume who he is to them. We learn this through Scripture As a matter of fact, we remember on an occasion when Jesus asked his disciples, who do men say that I am? And this is while Jesus is walking on earth, while Jesus is performing many miracles, we find that that Jesus asked the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they had a various array of of descriptions. Some said he was John the Baptist. Some said he was Elijah. Some said he was Jeremiah. Some even were saying he was one of the prophets. And at this point, We can understand that while Jesus was walking on earth, while Jesus was doing all these great things, their people still didn't see him the same way. Peter himself had a different view of Jesus than all these other descriptions. And Jesus knew this, so he asked him pointedly, who do you say I am? When Jesus had a different view, Peter had a different description. Peter says, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. To Peter, Jesus was different than John the Baptist. He was different than Jeremiah. He was different than one of the prophets. He was different than Elijah. He meant more to him than these other men did. And even with that recorded in scripture, still today, people have... Their own view of who Jesus is. The Jehovah's Witness, they view Jesus as a creation of God or the first creation of God. They don't see him as God, but he's a creation, the first creation of God. The Mormons believe that Jesus is a God, little g, but not God himself. The Islam, they believe Jesus was human and the last prophet, the Israel, for the Jews. Some believe that Jesus was a great man who'd done great things. Some believe that Jesus is a myth. So many thoughts of who Jesus is. And here we find in Luke 4, that Jesus, in his own hometown, he makes a declaration of who he is. We find that there are those who received this claim and those who rejected his claim. But Jesus tells us in verses 16, 16 through 22, he said, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? This is God's holy word. God, we thank you. We thank you for your holy word. We thank you that it is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And if we would hide its words in our heart, we may not sin against you. Oh God, we thank you for your blessing today. But God, I thank you most of all for my Jesus who left the portals of glory and come to this sin-cursed world and gave his life. God, I pray that through this message, if there's one here today who doesn't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, that the Holy Spirit will sit down beside them and share with them about my Jesus for he can change their lives. Oh God, have your way, and we'll praise you for what's accomplished. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. As we think about my Jesus, today we want to focus on my Jesus as the truth to eternal life. After Jesus was baptized, and he returned from fasting for 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness. He began his earthly ministry. John's gospels, chapter one through chapter four gives us some details of that first year. But here in in Luke, in chapter four, what we learn is that Jesus has become popular. He started calling his disciples and they had followed him. He performed many miracles and shared teachings, and people began to believe in him. And so, here in Luke 4, Jesus goes to Nazareth on the Sabbath, as it was his custom. He entered into the synagogue for worship. Now, enter into the synagogue. Most scholars believe that this was the synagogue in which he grew up in. Many believe it was the synagogue where everyone, it was a small community synagogue, and everybody there would, would know everyone. As a matter of fact, many of them may have been Jesus' neighbors as he was growing up and became an adult. Maybe many of them were even his family it appears here that that in the synagogue that they may not have had a regular preacher or regular minister, at least maybe not on every Sabbath. (coughs) It was a custom in some of the synagogues that they would invite someone to read the scriptures. We, and then that someone would expound on the scriptures. We call that preaching. So they would invite someone who they saw there to be ready to read and expound upon God's holy word. Noticing that Jesus was there with all the popularity that he had gained, they, of course, invited him, they handed him the scriptures. And as they handed him, he stood to read. Now as the the custom of that day was once you would receive the scriptures, you would stand. And then you would close the book. You would sit down and then you would expound on what you had read. And here they gave him the book and he turned to the law and the, of the prophets and he... so Jesus as he gets to he he finds this passage in Isaiah 61 he read what Isaiah 61 said and he closed the book handed it back to the attendant and sat down at this time everybody in the synagogue had their eyes fixed on him they were waiting for him to explain this passage And Jesus' words is, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus, by reading this passage, is saying that I am the Messiah. Jesus is saying that I am the one who you've read about. Jesus is saying I am the one who you're looking for. He is saying, I am the one who will save, deliver and heal you. He is saying, I am the one who will do all the amazing things that we just read here in Isaiah 61. I want you to get this. I want you to get exactly what he was saying. Just as God told Moses, you tell the children of Israel that I am has sent you to deliver them. Jesus is saying, I am has come to deliver you. Jesus is telling them, I am God. And that's who my Jesus is. My God. He's saying, I am Jesus is being straight with them. But when they heard the words, there were many who rejected this message. Jesus had grown up in Nazareth and because of their view on what their Lord and Savior would be, because of their view of Jesus as the son of Mary and Joseph, many would not receive this message. They couldn't see this carpenter's kid as the christ as their messiah and i want to i want to ask what is it that you really believe about this jesus many have believed him to be their lord and savior but there's still many who are rejecting this message I don't know why you're rejecting. Maybe you think it's too easy to be saved. Maybe you think that all I have to do is believe and confess. I've got to be able to do something. Let me tell you, the pathway to salvation, God planned that out. God executed that. God sent his son. God had his son to die on a tree for you. God raised him from the dead. God has brought him back to be in his right hand. God has him there to make intercession for you. This is God's plan. There's nothing you can do but believe and confess. Who is Jesus to you? Most of you here are raised in rural Robinson County. Many of you were raised in Christian homes. Many of you didn't have a choice while you were growing up of whether you were going to be in church on Sunday or not. It was already planned out for you. I'd go as far as to say that all of you in this place have heard the gospel message, the good news, the message of Jesus Christ. You've heard the scriptures taught, you've heard the scriptures preached, and the message of of the gospel is complete. It is authoritative, it is inerrant, it is infallible. The Christ, uh, the word of God is already settled in heaven. Heaven and earth may pass away, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. And in this passage of scripture, Jesus is sharing with us that this is the absolute truth. So he opened the book, he began to read, and he shared truths about himself, truths about his ministry, truths about... Truths that supported the I am statements that we find throughout John's gospel. <laughs> I hope there's some of you in here that have correlated that over the years. But if you hadn't, trust me, just as God told Moses, I am, has sent you, every time we hear Jesus say, I am. He is saying, God is the door. God is the sheep. God is the shepherd of the sheep. God is what we need. He is saying, I am He. Listen, folks, absolute truth can never change. Absolute truth leaves no doubt about who Jesus is. The world can say all they want to say but the scriptures tells us the truth of who my Jesus is and today as we think about this today's message I said we'll be here for at least seven messages but today's message he tells us the truth of eternal life when Jesus opened the book he read The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. What Jesus is saying is that God has called him. God has set him apart. God has empowered him to preach the gospel, to announce, to announce and declare the good news of the gospel of himself to the poor. Not just those who were poor physically, but also those who were poor spiritually, those who were struggling, those who were searching spiritually. Jesus is saying to them, I am who came to preach the good news. I am the one who suffers, who who offers you a better day. I I am the one who offers you a better place I am the one who offers you a better path I am the one who offers eternal life if anyone had reason to be poor in spirit we know when we get to John 14 we know it's the disciples they had been with Jesus for three years They had walked, they had talked with Jesus for three years. They witnessed miracles after miracles. And they had received his teachings. They had dedicated their lives to following after him. But after Jesus' last Passover meal with them, he predicted his death for a third time. And Jesus was about to go, that he was about to go, and that they could not follow him. Perhaps... Perhaps all sorts of things were going through their minds, but I do know and I can understand why they would be troubled, why they would be confused, why they would be afraid. Perhaps it was the thought of being separated from their Lord and Savior that was troubling them. Perhaps it was the thought of him being the Messiah and the people and the fact that people could lay hands on him and they could take his life. Perhaps that had confused them and made them afraid. Whatever it was, we know their hearts were troubled and they were poor in spirit. So Jesus offered them a place, a peace that the world couldn't give and offered them a peace that the world couldn't take away. He shared with them, if you believe in God, you believe also in me. And then he makes two promises to them. Notice, if you look in John 14, we find that Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. He promised them a prepared place. This would indicate that Jesus is telling the disciples when he says, I go to prepare a place for you, that he has some work to do. And he had to go do this work. Where did he go? Well, he went to the cross to prepare redemption for us. That we could be forgiven of our sins. Jesus... He went to the cross of Calvary and there he was nailed to the cross. He was suspended between heaven and earth and no other man could go with him. This was his task and only he could do this because only he had fulfilled the scriptures. He perfectly obeyed the law of God. He, he, he lived a sinless life. He and only he and only he could be the spotless lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But that wasn't all he went to do. He went to be raised from the dead, to be the first fruit of the resurrection, to prepare a way for us to be, to remove, to prepare a way to remove the sting of death from us, to take away the victory from the grave and to give us victory over death, hell, and the grave. Folks, regardless of what man may say, I want you to know this. Jesus died on the cross. Listen, Leviticus 17 and 11 tells us that life of the flesh is in the blood. And Jesus poured out his blood. As a matter of fact, King James says he shed his blood. The songwriter Marvin Dalton recorded a song that brother Marcus leads us in with the lyrics that says he gave his life blood for even me. He poured all his blood out. But that wasn't all he went to do. He ascended into heaven to be exalted, to prepare, uh, and to give us access into the presence of God. Jesus has prepared a place for us a place for those who will receive him as their personal savior. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. You know, when the apostle John was exiled on the island of Patmos, he got to experience a vision or a dream of heaven that that, Jesus had gone to prepare for us it is described as having 12 gates of pearl 12 foundations of precious stones walls of jasper a street of gold and a river that is crystal clear running through the city he goes on to describe in Revelation 21, 1 through 5, as he describes heaven as a holy city, a new Jerusalem coming down from God as a bride adorned for her husband. In that city, God would dwell with men and, and they shall be his people. In that city, God would wipe away all tears from their eyes and, and there would be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crime. In that city, there'd be no more pain for in the former, for in that city, The former things have passed away. And the Holy Spirit told John to write, for these things are true and faithful. One day, folks, Jesus is coming back for those who have received him by faith for what he has already done. And those who have put their trusted faith in him and his promises will forever be with the Lord. But my Jesus... (laughs) My Jesus is more than a carpenter's son. My Jesus is more than the one who promised to prepare a place for for prepared people. My Jesus is more than the one who came and became the ultimate sacrifice for the sin of the world. My Jesus is, is more than the one who arose from the grave, conquering death, hell, and the grave. My Jesus is more than the one who ascended back to heaven. Is it at the right hand of the Father? My Jesus has promised us a prepared path. To get to Him, He's not only promised us a place, a prepared place for prepared people, but He's promised us a prepared path for His prepared people to get to His prepared place. After Jesus shared the promise of heaven and that He would receive us unto Himself, Thomas asked the question, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus shared one of those powerful I am statements. This is the first one, folks. He said he declared to them in John 14 and 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus said... <laughs> Over in Luke's gospel, he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And what has he come to tell the poor? I am the way, (laughs) the truth, and the life. And no one gets to the Father except through me. In other words, you can have eternal life. You can know the truth. And you can know the way to the Father if you will follow me and it's a much better path than what we're traveling in this world. Jesus is the way to a new and abundant life. He is our way into the presence of God and all we must do is believe that he is the son of God and that he died for our sins. He arose from the grave. We must confess our sins to him. Many want to think, i got to confess my sins to the world. Confessing your sins to the world gets you nowhere. But confessing your sins to Jesus gets forgiveness of your sin. We must confess him and accept him as our personal savior. We must follow after him. Man wants us to think that there are other ways to God. But the truth is that we can't get to God by our works. It's already been tried. Adam and Eve couldn't do the right works. God destroyed the earth and Noah couldn't do the right works. So God called out Abraham and established a people of faith. That's why works is dead. We can't get to heaven by our works. We get to heaven by our faith. But let me tell us, folks, let me remind us real clear. Faith without works is dead also. We, because of our faith in Christ, we should be motivated. We should desire. We should want. Things should be changed in our lives in such a way that we don't want to live the way we used to live. That we want to work for Jesus. But it's not your works for Jesus that gets you to heaven. All that'll do is get your rewards to present back to Jesus. It's your faith in Jesus that gets you to heaven. Here, we must confess our sins to him. Man wants us to think that there are other ways, but there are not. God, through our works, if we could get to him through our works, then we would have to live perfect and with no sin because of the righteousness of God it demands holiness and because our righteousness are as filthy rags we are dead in the trespass of our sins the the righteous one the I am had to come to to earth And and only he could redeem us by paying the penalty of our sin and we will receive Jesus Christ as our personal savior the Holy Spirit is quickened he's made alive within us and when this happens he leads us on his path And he guides us with his truth, and he escorts us into eternal life. Some folks, I'm not Jesus. I'm not the Christ. I'm not the anointed one. I'm not your Messiah. But I can tell you who I am. (laughs) I've been called and set aside to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if you today have been born again, you've been washed in the blood of the lamb, but the weight of this world is beating you down. If you find yourself poor in spirit, I want to encourage you to get your minds off the world and everything that's going in it, set your heart and your mind upon Jesus Christ and he will free you. It reminds you of the victory that you have. If you are here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ through faith, you don't have a relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. I want you to know you are poor in spirit, whether you realize it or not. You're searching this world for everything that can that can give you peace and joy, but you won't find it in this world. It can only be found in Jesus. How do I why do I say that? Because He breathed life into us. And because he breathed himself into us, we're searching for him. He's the only one who can fill us. And your best, the best thing you can do for being poor in spirit is to set your eyes and heart upon Jesus. Because my Jesus left you the promise of a prepared place where all things are made new. And my Jesus left you the promise of a prepared path that would take you to where he is. And there you can be for all eternity. If you're poor in spirit today, I would invite you to listen to the words of this first verse and chorus from a song written or recorded by Ann Wilson. The word says, the words of the song says, are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty feeling because shame's done all its stealing and you're desperate for some healing well let me tell you about my jesus he makes a way when there ain't no way he rises up from an empty grave ain't no sinner that he can't save let me tell you about my jesus His love is strong. His grace is free. The good news is I know that he can do for you what he has done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus and let my Jesus change your life. Jesus, he left the splendor of heaven, lived a sinless life died a sinner's death, ascended back to the Father. After rising from the grave on the third day and revealing himself for 40 days and 40 nights, he's standing now, had the right hand of the Father, making intercession for those who would believe. And if you will believe when Satan comes by and makes an accusation against you, true or false, If your name's been recorded, he won't miss it. (laughs) He won't miss it because he'll tell the Father, but this one's with me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. He has everything that you would need in this world. He is peace, He is joy, He is everlasting. My Jesus is Savior, He's Lord. He is God. My Jesus is who you need to get through this life. Oh, folks, if you're poor in spirit today, I would tell you, let my Jesus, I am, be your way, your truth, and your life. If you do, it'll change your life for all eternity. Every head bowed, every eye closed. They begin to prepare for this song of invitation. Let me ask you today, do you want to know my Jesus? Do you want to know? Do you want to experience? Do you want to receive the joy that only he can give? You must believe he is God's Only begotten Son, that He was, that He came to this sin cursed world through a virgin, and that He died for you to take your sin away, to give you hope for a better day. Oh, there's a better day coming, but it's only coming for those who know Jesus. Do you today? Do you today? Do you want to know the way, the truth, and the life? If you do, let me introduce you to my Jesus.